0: Well, good morning officially. If I didn't get to say hi to you coming in this morning, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Those of you guys joining us online, we are so thankful for your presence there as well. We don't ever want to leave you out, and we look forward to the day where some of you can join us, but one of the awesome things, if if you weren't aware, uh, we have some folks, especially some relatives and some people here uh, that have been watching online from a great distance, and they can't make it to church here, but they're able to join their family and, and friends here, and so it's kind of a really cool thing um, for sure. I want to give you a quick update. Um, those those of you guys that have been involved already know this, but the rest of you wouldn't. A couple weeks ago uh, we kicked off our junior and senior high ministries here again at Berea and we're two weeks in and it's going great. And so if you're a junior or a senior high student, six o'clock tonight uh, to about 7:15 is when they get done, come on back to the building. Uh, Jason's leading a great crew of volunteers and students and we'd love to have you join us. Now I did not ask for permission for this, um, so hopefully my wife's okay with this. Um, next week is time change. We've talked about it. We just an officially said. She knows what I'm going to say. Um, Does she? Anyway, uh, next week is Time Change Sunday. Don't groan. I love the extra daylight. I'm sorry for you people that don't. I love the extra. I love the fact when it's 1030 and it's still daylight outside. I love it. Sorry to everybody else. Don't hate me. Anyway, in honor of next week being Time Change Sunday, which means that that church starts an hour earlier. No, it's still 10 o'clock on your clock, but biologically an hour earlier. Um, There won't be donuts next Sunday but we will put on an extra pot of coffee or two because you might need it. And uh, is that cool? Yeah. And we're going to, we're going to make some cinnamon rolls. So there'll be cinnamon rolls next Sunday. Um, so there you go. So get here. There you see, I'm, I'm bribing you. Yes, I am. Absolutely. Completely. Nothing wrong with that at all. All right. So it'll be fun. The building will smell really good when you come into um, and it'll be a lot of fun. All right. So it is awesome to, to see you guys here. Um, those of you guys that, that are from Berea, if you will, make sure you take a look around because there's going to be lots of faces. You don't, recognize. Meet them. Talk with them. You know everybody else, so, so meet those folks. Let's go, Lord, in prayer as we get started off this morning. Father God, what a beautiful morning it is outside. Uh, we wake up. We see, we see that sunshine, that bright, brilliant sunshine, and we realize spring is on that horizon. Father, the 60s, the next couple days. Father, you're bringing us through this time period. Father, we are, we're seeing an end to what has been this, this last year, and Father, we just pray for those that that are still sheltering at home, those that still have a fear of what's going on in the world, And, and Father, we want that fear to be replaced with a confidence in you. Father, there's always going to be things to be afraid of, that's never going away, but Father, when our hope is in you, that fear subsides. There's no reason to fear this world or anything in it, because we know you are in control. It's in your name we pray, amen. So as we begin today, what we're going to talk about is the wisdom of God through His servant, Daniel. And I want to share something with you um, to start off with, and that is this. These are two opportunities that you kind of have if you are looking for things like this. These are two very short things that every day, nearly every single day, I either read or I listen to, okay? And I'm sharing them with you because they would be a great resource for you as well. We're talking about the wisdom of Daniel, and while no man or woman is ever going to be able to demonstrate the full wisdom of God all of the time, it's not possible, because my ideas, your ideas are going to creep in at times, and it's going to ruin the wisdom of God, okay? But he can still speak through us, and he can still speak through others. These folks are sinners just like every one of us, so they're going to make mistakes, so don't hold them to that standard, right? But the reality is this, These two sources are really good, really good each and every day. In week three of this series, a couple weeks ago, we talked about hope killers, as we talked about the hope of Daniel and how our hope is so easily destroyed in this planet, and the reality that the more garbage we fill our head with, the more hope we ultimately forfeit, we lose. We begin to view the things of this world as all evil. We begin to view the people of this world as all evil instead instead of the, the potential children of God made in His image that they truly are. So here's what I want to do. These are a couple ways to you, for you to help discern the world just a little bit differently than what you get force fed every single day via the internet in the media. The first is this. It's a daily email, if you do the email thing still, or it's a podcast if you listen to the, such things. Uh, you can download it, you can go to their website. If you use it, If you know what a podcast is, then you know what a podcast app is and how to download those things. It's called Breakpoint. There should be a slide um, that has this information on it, breakpoint.org. It's, a, it's a, a, a weekly, daily material that's distributed by an organization called the Colson Center. Okay, Some of you might remember the name Chuck Colson. Anybody remember that name? okay, there's a generation that's going to raise their hand, and everyone's going, who? Very famous individual. He once, was re- once he was released from prison, he found Christ in prison, and then began an incredible, incredible, incredible ministry post-prison life, and his resources are still golden. They are wonderful. So if you ever see something written or said, spoken by Chuck Colson, I would encourage you to check it out. But this is his continuing organization, and what this organization does is it presents things that happen in this world from a Christian worldview. That's what the Colson Center is all about. They do the best they can to see the issues of today from Jesus's perspective, and then tie them into Christian values and and Christian principles. The podcast usually lasts about five minutes or so. The, The document is about two pages long, so it's a real quick read. But every day, it's a great way to feed yourself just a little bit of the biblical view of what's happening around you rather than the worldly view that we all get. So, subscribe to that. Please, please, please read that. It is very encouraging. It's also very educational. Okay, you'll learn some things you definitely didn't know about things happening in the world today. The second source is another one I've recommended before. I'm gonna recommend it again. I'll do it in the future as well. It's a man named Jim Dennison, and it's called The Daily Article called The Daily Article by the Denison Forum. Um, The website is on the screen behind me. Again, it's a podcast or an email. You can read it or you can listen. I listen. Dr. Denison's a pastor and he's an author down in Texas. And every morning he gets up very, very, very early and he records this podcast or writes this email. It's about a five to seven to eight minute reflection on the news of that day. So it could not be more up-to-date. If something happened overnight or that morning, he is talking about it in that article. It is very informative, for sure, but most importantly, it will cause you to think about the news differently and how it should impact us as believers in Christ. Every episode begins with the tagline, today's news discerned differently, and it absolutely is. Dr. Dennison does a great job of bringing the issues right back to the Bible And helping us, the readers or the listeners, respond to that from a biblical perspective rather than react to it from a worldly one. I'm going to repeat that because this is such an important concept as a follower of Christ. We have to respond to the things happening around us from a biblical perspective, from God's point of view. We cannot get in the habit of reacting the way the world does to the events around us. There's a big difference. So please, feel free to subscribe to both of those. If you get our emails, um, then you will get an email tomorrow afternoon that has links to both both of those. So you can, if you forget or didn't write them down now or didn't pull out your phone right now and subscribe, then you can do that then. But I would encourage you to do that. If we don't have your email, now would be a great time to pull one of those Connect cards out of the seat back in front of you and put your information on there so we can send you that email tomorrow. All right, we would love to have you join us in that way. All right, I share all this with you because at the end of today I'm going to reference one of those podcasts from the Breakpoint organization. It's based on Proverbs 25:15 which says this, through patience, through patience a ruler can be persuaded. And a gentle tongue can break a bone. Through patience a ruler can be persuaded. Let that soak in as we talk about wisdom today in the life of Daniel. We'll be back to it here in just a few minutes, all right? Daniel's wisdom. One of the ways that Daniel's wisdom was so evident is watching him pick his battles throughout his life. I want to explain this to you. As a teenage male, He was ripped away from his country. His country was completely annihilated. His city destroyed. Family and friends murdered. He was captured and taken away into captivity in ancient Babylon, along with thousands of other Israelites. And what's the first thing he seems to do? Well, the first thing he seems to do is stand up for his faith. Now, we talked about this last last week a little bit. Of course he did. He's Daniel. Well, you see, if he didn't, then we wouldn't know who Daniel was. So those two things kind of go... Together. But the reality is this if you know the history of Israel and you know why Daniel was taken into captivity, his country had forsaken their God. And so, why on earth was Daniel taken to this foreign country? Why, when he got there, did he stand up for his God that he probably wasn't taught a whole heck of a lot about? His country had abandoned them. That's why they got overrun. And here's Daniel standing up for what he knows to be right. He stands up for his faith. He did not want to defile his body with the food, the unclean food of the king. So he respectfully and politely asked to pass on the king's food and drink in favor favor of his kosher Jewish diet. Now, when granted permission, there's some notes here for us. This is wisdom. He didn't make a big deal of it, he and his friends didn't go tell everybody, hey, we don't have to eat the same food. Hey, we're doing this own thing. They quietly and secretly ate according to their Jewish laws. Probably the other folks wouldn't have even noticed a difference. And at the end of 10 days, of course, Daniel's wisdom could be observed because you could see a difference between Daniel and his friends. They were in better condition than all the other young men. But what didn't he do? Well, Daniel and his buddies didn't gloat. They didn't go around making a big deal of it. They didn't go around and say, hey, guys, you all need to follow our diet. Look who we are. Look what we're doing. They didn't do that. He didn't go and seek an audience with the king and say, hey, this is the right way to do it. You need to follow my God. No, he humbly did something very different. What did they do? Well, they just set everything aside and went about their daily tasks. They went to work. They had three years of training in front of them. And at the end of those three years, it said that in every wisdom, every manner of wisdom, understanding, about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the others that had been trained. Daniel's hope was in God, the humble way in which he responded to each and every victory. He showed that he picked these battles very, very carefully, and it allowed him to advance slowly but surely up the Babylonian political ladder. When Daniel and his friends first arrived in Babylon, one of the first things they did was change their names. Now, we might not think of that as a very big deal because people in our country do it all the time. But in the Jewish world, your name was a great source of pride. Absolutely. And most oftentimes also a tribute to the Lord their God. So Daniel's name was no exception. It meant God is my judge. He had his name changed to Belshazzar, which means Bel's prince. His namesake now became a name honoring a demon. He seems to kind of just let that slide like, well, you know what? I just got to deal with it. I know who I am. I'm confident in who I am. What they call me doesn't really matter. As he was in school, we might not have really thought about the things that Daniel was force-fed to learn. He was forced to study the occult. He was forced to study all types of evil while he was there. That's what he had to master were these thoughts and ideas, but they didn't change who he was. They didn't change his beliefs. He didn't practice any of these ways, but he became very, very learned in them. He learned them very well, so well, in fact, that he was better than all the other students. Why would he do that? Well, he did that so that his voice could be heard. He knew more about their fake gods than all of them did. So they respected his opinion because they knew that he knew what he was talking about. This eventually led him to the king himself in a position of influence that ultimately changed the course of Jewish history. He was able to share the truth of his God with the most powerful rulers in the world as a result. Now, there was a time, absolutely, where Daniel had to draw the line and say, uh-uh, nope, not going to participate in those things. For Daniel, it always revolved around his resolute, I use that word intentionally because I'm going to use it next week when we start our Easter series, a resolute intention, refusal to sin. While all men are sinners, we all fall short of the glory of God, Daniel publicly and privately strived to avoid sin. And when his enemies attacked him, he refused to ever conform. Many of you might know the most famous story from Daniel, right? His encounter with the king. A new king had been appointed at this time, and At the previous moment, the previous administration, if you will, Daniel had proven himself so trustworthy, beyond helpful as a leader within the kingdom, that in Daniel chapter 5, he ascended all the way to the third highest ruler in all of the kingdom. Now, the way he did that was this scene where the king had, they were in this big giant party. It was a momentary uh, administration. His Administration lasts last very long. But they're in this big giant party, and everybody's doing these things. And the king decides, hey, let's go get those ancient relics from the ancient Israeli temple and bring it in, and we'll use it for our drink and to worship our gods and all of these things. And well, God wasn't really happy about that. And that famous scene where that handwriting appeared on the wall, if you're familiar with it, and nobody could figure out what on earth it was saying. And so they called in Daniel, and he Shared with them the exact words that were on the wall, which weren't really good news for the king because he ended up dying later that night. But that's a whole other story. As a result of that scene, that moment in time, not only did we get a very, very famous phrase that still exists today, millennia later, the handwriting's on the wall. That's from this story in Daniel, if you didn't know that. But that story, that scene, that event allowed Daniel to achieve this position of the third highest ruler in all. Of Babylon. I don't know if you understand the magnitude of that. There were three leaders that the king had appointed, and these three leaders then were overseeing 120 other administrators. These 120 administrators ruled over the entire Babylonian empire. That's where they were spread out. That's where Daniel was in his leadership. It is an incredible, incredible thing. And the reality was that wasn't supposed to happen. Daniel should have never, ever, ever been appointed to something that high. Why? Well, because he wasn't one of them. He didn't look like them. He didn't talk like them. He didn't believe like them. Yeah, he was smarter than them, but that was another story. So as a result, all of them, so to speak, were jealous, terribly jealous of Daniel. Listen to their description of him. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the kings planned planned to set him over the entire kingdom. In other words, the king said, "Here's the keys to the car. I'm going to go chill out in wherever the kings went golfing back then." Right, Daniel, you're in charge. I, got, I know. I trust you. You got this. At this, the administrators and satraps found tried tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in the conduct of his government affairs, but they were unable to do so. Imagine this, a government? They could find no corruption, no corruption in the man. None. He was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. We need some more leaders like that, don't we? Yeah, I think we could use them. We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God, Daniel 6, 3 through 5. You see, Daniel's hope, his humility, and his wisdom literally at this point in his life had made him untouchable. That phrase from the New Testament where Paul writes, live such good lives among the pagans that even the things they say against you won't stick, that was Daniel. That was Daniel. Now, there's something I must share with you before we move on in this story. If you grew up in the church, then you're probably familiar with the story of Daniel in the lion's den. But there's a couple of details that you might have missed out on because most of the pictures don't represent things this way. A lot of older, seasoned Christians, shall we say, are of the opinion that they really can't make a difference any longer, that there's really nothing left they can do. As a matter of fact, I've heard this said, and I quote, I've served my time. I've I've done my thing. Okay, as if serving the bride of Christ, as if loving other people in the kingdom is a punishment, it's a life sentence from God that you have to abide by, I don't think that's how we should view this thing. Loving people is hard, yes, but it's a pleasure. And so if God still is allowing you to have breath in your lungs, then he has a purpose for your life. Now, you might not be able to do the things you used to do, and that's the reason of frustration, the reason a lot of older people step out. Don't. No, you cannot do the things you used to do. You're right, absolutely. But you are not worthless. No, 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 no. God has a plan for you. He has so many things that you can do to help breathe life into his kingdom, to help bring people into his love. They're just different than what they used to be. There's so much kingdom work left to be done, so many people left to be reached, and God still has you to help out with this. This scene from Daniel's life could not illustrate this any better. Daniel's enemies began to put into play this plan. It was a brilliant plan. Hey, well, get the king to sign this law. And this law says that nobody can bow down, nobody can worship anybody but King Darius for the next 30 days. Now, we talked about this before. Part of being king usually means you have a pretty large ego to boot. And so the king thought, hey, that's a great idea. Everybody just worship me for 30 days. That's wonderful. Where do I sign? So he did, not realizing, of course, he was being tricked. Well, what happened? Those people that got the king to sign the law immediately sought out Daniel. They went to his home to find him doing what? Praying. Praying. The same as he did every single day, facing Jerusalem three times a day. Daniel knew the law absolutely, and he completely ignored it. Here's the note for us Christians. What didn't Daniel do? Daniel did not go into the streets and pray and make a big scene about this law that had been passed. He did not do that. He hid in his house like he always did to pray. Daniel did not immediately run to the government, the king, and plead his case. He did not do that. Could he have? Probably so. And the king probably would have listened, but Daniel didn't do that. Daniel also didn't begin to put into play, okay, how can I get these guys back? How can I retaliate against these people that have passed this evil law, all to try to get me? He, revenge was the farthest thing from his mind. He just honored his God. He was faithful to his God, and he prayed in the same exact manner that he did every single day. Of course, the men went to the king. They turned him in. The king couldn't believe he'd been duped. Obviously, he had some issues with thinking through things fully and he claimed there was no way he could undo what had been done according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians. I've got to let this law stand. Yeah, whatever. You're king. You can do whatever you want. Hogwash. But he did. All of this happened. All of this scene is unfolding when Daniel is somewhere around the young age of 80 years old. You probably weren't taught that in Sunday school. Daniel was not a 25-year-old man. Daniel was 80 years old. And at that time in history, 80 years old would have been more than 80 years old today. People did not live that long during this time period. So you must consider that reality. Daniel was 80 years old when he was put into that den of lions. Had you ever thought about that? It doesn't appear that Daniel raises a big fuss, that he causes a big scene about it. doesn't really plead a case. He knows who he is. He knows who his God is, absolutely. He knows that he's done nothing wrong. He knows that he's actually a better servant, a better leader than anyone else in the kingdom. And his great humility allowed him to quietly enter that den with his faith intact and his reputation completely unchanged. And in case I didn't mention it earlier, he was 80 years old. So anybody in the room that thinks they're too old to do fill in the blank, he's got you beat. I know some of you are over 80. I don't think we have any 90s in here at the moment. Gail's not here today. (laughs) I know we have someone that is 90, but you get the idea. So all this happened. What happens now? Well, the king, of course, can't sleep that night. I wonder why. I wonder why. I think there was two reasons the king couldn't sleep. Reason number one, he was afraid for Daniel. Daniel was his best assistant. He was his most trustworthy servant, worker, best leader, and probably, quite honestly, the smartest man the king had ever met. He trusted Daniel completely and fully, and the loss of Daniel would be huge. And he knows he can't trust the people behind Daniel now, doesn't he? The second thing would have been maybe an even greater fear, though, retribution from Daniel's God. You see, Daniel's god has now developed a bit of a reputation in the Babylonian empire. And if the lions succeed in their mission and Daniel dies, then there definitely could be a backlash on the Babylonian empire from the god of Daniel. And so absolutely, the king was fearful for what might happen. So we turn ahead into verse 19, and it says this, At the first light of dawn, the king got up and he hurried to the lion's den. I don't envision kings running very often. I just don't. They don't need to. They'd be carried places and stuff, but I don't envision them running. I think he ran. I think he was in a big hurry to get there and find out what has going on. He gets near the den, and he begins calling out to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, is the God whom you faithfully serve as he protected you from the lions. Boy, I hope he has. Oh, my goodness, I hope he has. And then the text just continues, but I don't think that's what happened. I'm going to insert my opinion here. I think there was a dramatic pause. I think his voice echoed into that lion's den. There wasn't a sound made. No lions, no Daniel, no nothing. Just like this. And as that king anxiously awaited, what am I going to hear? Will it be the lions first? Or will I hear the voice of Daniel? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. Daniel's response to the man who wrote a law that threw him to the lions was, may you, king, live forever. <laughs> what? That's not the way I would have responded, especially after I just got saved. I'd have been like, whoa, it's on now. Let's go. Come Come get me. I'll, I'll come, come make me out of here, king. Let's go. That's because we're stupid. Daniel's wise. <laughs> It's not a joke. It's true. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. He understands what's going on. He's still a man of respect and a man of humility. He represents God yet again trying to win over the enemy, the evil king. The king was overjoyed. He gave orders to have Daniel lifted out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God period, right? That's where the story ends in Sunday school, right? I'm pretty sure my mom and her twos and threes class didn't teach the rest of the story. It's not quite so glorious because at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were thrown in, but not just the men, their wives and their kids. And it says they were devoured before they hit the floor. That's the power of our God and the rest of the story. It's not pleasant. It's not pleasant when you oppose God in that way. King Darius wrote to all the nations and the people of every language, listen to how this 80-year-old man's humble service, incredible humility, and his wisdom has led this king to this point. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. That would have been good enough. Hey, everybody, I just want to let you know this guy's God is legit. You all should fear him, so that's the end of the story. But that's not where the story ended for King Darius. He adds more. For he, God, is the living God, and he endures forever. Amen, does he not? Nothing's changed. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves to this very day, church. He still performs signs and wonders in heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reigns of Darius and then the king after him, the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Through this series... We talked first about the hope of Daniel, true biblical hope. We talked about the humility of Daniel, committing our lives to respecting and serving others while above ourselves, whether or not they deserve it or not, not for us to decide. And finally today, Daniel's godly wisdom. We have to strive, and it's going to be difficult In this world, to live by these characteristics of Daniel, to demonstrate his wisdom, the wisdom of God in modern day Babylon, if we want to thrive. But what does that look like? How does that actually happen in the world in which we live? I told you earlier I was going to borrow from one of those Breakpoint podcasts. It's from the February 2nd one, if you want to go back and listen, but I'm going to read to you a good portion of it. It's a quote by a pastor and author named Sean McDowell. Some of you might be familiar with his father, who goes by the same last name, McDowell. It comes from Proverbs twenty-five, fifteen: Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Pastor and author Sean McDowell says this, rather than being patient in our world today, we are quick to anger. In his letter to the Romans, Paul writes, it's God's loving kindness that draws us to repentance, draws others to repentance. Proverbs 15.1 tells us that a soft word turns away anger. Christianity is not only true, but what it offers the world is uniquely truth and grace. Proverbs 25 represents a small step of showing grace to people in both inside the church and outside that frankly do not expect it. The world wants us to fight back angrily. And that's not what God calls us to do. This response catches the world off guard. So here's a couple insights about this proverb. First, the proverb reminds us that some change only takes place with patience. We should be thinking more about the long term rather than how do we fix this by tomorrow or even by next year or even five years from now. Remember, it took Daniel 80 years to achieve that place of influence and power within an evil Empire. The second thing that it teaches us is that patience is long suffering. The process of seeing change can absolutely be painful. This is certainly true for athletes as we train our bodies, but definitely true in our spiritual health as well as we strive to become stronger. This proverb not only talks about patience, but it talks about a ruler. A ruler. Now, obviously, the writer of this ancient proverb was talking about a king or someone in that form of authority over them. But with us, a ruler today is really anybody that exerts some influence or power or authority over us. Yes, the government would be included in that, as would education, as would the media, as would even Hollywood and entertainment. They're always trying to implement those things in our lives, forcing us in certain directions. These people are the rulers of our culture that we live in. The proverb says that many, many may be persuaded I'm not sure how you feel, but for me, it's very tempting to look at leaders today in our culture and go, you know what? That person is beyond hope. They're gone. They're too far gone. There's no way they could ever be turned. (laughs) That's a worldly way to think of it. You are doubting. I am doubting the power of our God, the power of the Spirit to move in someone and break their heart for Christ. And the Spirit can move anyone. We can't shortchange God. We have to give him that credit. So here's what I want to end with today. Daniel's life, his humility, his hope ultimately influenced everyone he was around, some in good ways, some in bad. He saw everything that was happening, and he was confident that God was still in control of those who were in control So what can we take from Daniel's example? Thankfully, none of us lately have been taken into captivity, forced into a foreign country to study foreign things and do all the things Daniel had to go through. But it is just important that we live out our faith in the same way that Daniel did. In fact, Daniel's model is probably the perfect model for the culture in which we live right now. It's the only way people will ever listen to us if we treat them in this way. So I want to share with you to end today the biggest issue in the world today. I don't think there's a question. As we see the decisions being made, as we see the agendas being promoted, the laws being passed, as we see people fighting for causes that absolutely you and I know break the heart of God, as we see lives ruined in any number of ways. We humans are very creative in the ways we ruin our own lives. Absolutely. As we see the hope of man destroyed by the things of this world, we have to learn to assess things from God's perspective. We must use the wisdom that only God can give us to help work through these issues. And we first must work through these issues in our own life. We can't help others until we've dealt with it. But then beyond that, we begin to help our family and our friends, and then we begin to dive into the workplace And then God might call us out of the workplace and into our very own community. And you know what? God might just call you further than that. He might call you anywhere across this country. And at this point in time, we still have the freedom that we could go anywhere in this world. And if God's calling you that direction, do not resist that call. Follow that call wherever he takes you. But here's the thing. The biggest issue facing the world today is not a government policy. It's not the president. It's not big tech, and I know this might get me in trouble, but it's not race relations. And believe it or not, it is not a worldwide pandemic. None of those things are the biggest issue in the world today. You see, the biggest issue in the world today is that people don't know Jesus. (laughs) It's that simple. We can make things as complex as we want we can create insurmountable issues and challenges that we'll never, ever, ever, ever be able to overcome within this world. But it all boils back down to the reality that people do not know Christ. That's where you and I come in. As followers of Christ, we are called to have hope in Jesus and then to carry that hope and spread it to the world, His word to this world the good news of his life, his death, and his resurrection. Side note, next week we start our Easter series, Easter's four Sundays from today. Yeah, I know, April 4th will be here before we know it. It's a great time to get somebody involved. There's no greater time than now than to start sharing your hope within this world. Christians, it's time to be humble. It's time to put genuine needs of others ahead of our own wants and desires, to genuinely care for those around us, to listen to their story and to love them with the love of Christ. It's time to tap into the wisdom found in God's Word. It's time to study the teachings of the life of Jesus, but then apply them to our lives, to stop fighting with those that are for us (laughs) and stop fighting with those that are against us. I know that sounds strange, but instead to start respecting them and earning their trust, earning the right to be heard within their lives so that those in opposition will listen to our story as well and hear the hope of our Jesus conveyed to them and hear the reality of what Jesus has done and is doing in our lives. You see, contrary to popular belief, you and I's call is not to win a battle. Our call is to follow God's battle plan. And as a matter of fact, winning or losing isn't the issue at all. It's not even the right thing to look at. It's whether or not we are obedient to God's call upon our life. But we always know there's people joining us. For whatever reason, somehow the Spirit moves in ways that allows people to join us online that have no relationship with Jesus whatsoever and are just curious. And we may never meet those people. And we know that there's people even in here that have struggled in their relationship with Jesus, maybe don't have a deep relationship with Jesus, maybe have just never made that decision for Christ. And it is possible that those people at this moment in their life are facing some difficulties, some challenges. They might be hurting, they might be confused, they might be alone or worse yet, they might think everything is just fine. Hey, I got this. I don't need Jesus. Well, the reality is our prayer for all of those people in pain, suffering, hurting or think they have it all together is the exact same. We pray that the spirit moves in them to help them understand how much they need. Jesus, that he is the only one, the only one who wants to meet them wherever they are in life and love him and, him and to his family. God doesn't want anyone, anyone on this planet to merely exist in this world. He wants us to thrive in our modern-day Babylon. Our confident hope in him will give us the courage and confidence to face every single thing this world Will throw at us. The humility of Christ will be put on display, so it will soften the hardest of hearts. And finally, Godly wisdom will help us discern. It's the only thing that can help us discern God's perspective on any situation and allow us to see God's will for our lives here on this earth. And it will not be easy. It will not be easy, but please, no matter your age or your current relationship with Christ, do not dismiss or ignore how important you are, how important you are and your role is in seeking and saving the lost, our mission here on this earth. You see, as the earth around us gets darker and darker and darker, the smallest light makes an even bigger difference don't lose that. Father God, as we finish this study of Daniel, there are so many more things in his book. There are so many more things about his character, about who he was. Father, let us know that that is an example we can look to. You gave us that book as an example of someone who was faithful to you as a teenager, when it wasn't cool to stand up for what was right. And Father, someone you blessed with a long number of years so that at the end of his life, he could still be just as faithful, making just as big of impact, even though he'd lost his youth. What an incredible example, his incredible hope in you, Father, we need hope in this world. There's nothing in this world we can put our hope in that will ever last but you. And so many people have their hope misplaced in other things, and those other things keep failing them. We've got to come alongside them, hear their stories, love them, and share with them the hope we have in you. Father Daniel's humility, it's not popular today. We want to fight, we want to argue, we want to be right all of the time. And and Daniel humbly was right all of the time, but he just sat in the background and slowly but surely earned the trust and respect of those who mattered. Till ultimately, he was put in a position that did incredible things, not just for his people, but Father, for the entire kingdom as the name, your name of God spread to the entire pagan world as a result of Daniel's humility, his faithfulness, and Father Daniel's wisdom that came directly from you. Let us tap into this, find resources, find ways to learn so that we can tap into your wisdom and discern the things going on around us, not in a frightful or scary or angry way, but Father, in your way. Help us discern it in such a way so we can understand how you can use us to make the greatest impact possible in our community and in our world. And Father, if there's anybody today it's like, man, I just don't know. I just don't know about this, Jesus. I just don't know if this is real. And I just pray that the Spirit will move in them in a way to begin to reveal you to them. And the Father will allow them to come back, to join us again, to, to begin conversations with myself or with so many other believers here in the room today so they can move in your direction ultimately make that decision to become one of your children. Father, we love you and we thank you for your presence here this morning. Amen.